Thank you, Sky, Choir, Barbara and Paula. Thank you all for being with us in this new year for this one service in which we gather. I've only just a minute, Benjamin Mays wrote. I've only just a minute, just 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. And I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. So with Jonathan Edwards, we say resolved that all people should live for the glory of God. Resolved second, whether others do or not, I will. Is that your heart today, to live for the glory of God? In our family, we love to gather on holidays. And the one thing you can be sure of, we meet in lots of different places But one thing that is guaranteed is that we will eat. Every time we come together, we eat. We don't meet unless we eat. Maybe we learned that from my Baptist mother. I'm not sure. But we don't meet unless we eat. And over the holidays, I meditated on these words from Isaiah chapter 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheath that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace From all the earth the Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in Him. And He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. So it's good to come together and to eat and to drink and to remember what Christ has done for us. And Brad Watson in a meditation on Isaiah 25 says, isn't it interesting that the first sin involved food? The first biblical meal is the perversion, pollution, and decreation of all God had made. Adam's feast ushers the world into chaos. So sin had its birth in that first meal. And through Advent, we wept over the consequences But in Christ's saving death and resurrection, the curse is reversed. So Tim Chester says about Jesus, he didn't run projects, he didn't establish ministries, create programs, or put on events. He ate meals. That's what Jesus did. He ate meals. And so we gather together today to eat this feast of forgiveness and as we gather we remember Karl Barth's words that at the beginning of every day we might say at the beginning of every year we may begin with this confession would you just say it with me I believe in the forgiveness of sins let's say it again I believe in the forgiveness of sins Bart went on to say 
that confession could bookend our days and our years and our life together if we would let it. Would you open your Bibles with me? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 18. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. I left you last week. If you gathered with us on our Christmas uh, service, I left you with the words of Hebrews chapter 1, which emphatically remind us of the divinity of Christ when He says that God appointed His Son heir of all things. Through Him He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty in heaven. Jesus is divine. Now let's see the same writer, the writer of Hebrews, tell us that Jesus is human. Hear the Word of the Lord today. Hebrews 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. That's you. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what He suffered, both the one who makes the people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them, to call us, brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives who were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not the angels He helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that He might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because He Himself suffered when He was tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Jesus was a man. I don't mean to say to you that He pretended to be a man. Not sort of like Clark Kent wearing the glasses so people wouldn't know he was Superman. No, Jesus was always God and always human. He was perfectly divine and perfectly human. And in all ways, we know that he was human. In part because, as I have said, he was always eating meals. We know that he got hungry, that he got thirsty that he got tired, that he became sad, and he entered into our humanity. We celebrated in the incarnation at Christmas time. He entered into our humanity for a singular purpose, the writer of Hebrews says, so that he might bring many sons and daughters home to the Father, to glory with him, because he wanted us to be 
his brothers and sisters, not just his creation. He created all things. We read that in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, we learn that he redeemed all things. Our creator, our redeemer, who sustains all things by his powerful word, has invited us into relationship with himself. Particularly, we remember today at the beginning of a new year, to save us from our sins. So Paul would say about his successes and his failures, forgetting those things which are behind. Are you ready, are you ready to do that? To forget? For some of you, uh, 2016 was a very difficult year, and you would like to put it in the rearview mirror, and Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. And how in the world will we do that? Well, the writer of Hebrews says, because Jesus has already paid the price for our sins with His blood so that we might be redeemed. This is really, really good news. Because if we know anything as we gather for the first day of a new year, we know that we are sinners that we make mistakes. I don't know if you followed this uh, basketball player at, at Duke. I don't want to call him out by name. He's a very talented player. He has just one issue as far as I can tell, and that is that if somebody gets past him in the game, he trips them. He has done this three times on three different occasions. Most recently suspended, lost his position as captain of the team. He feels awful about it. You can, not right now, but sometime look at it on the internet and you can see he just feels awful about tripping people, but he keeps on doing it. And we look at him and say, well, just stop doing that. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, just stop doing that. Stop being angry. Stop being greedy. Stop being harmful to, to others. Stop being envious. Stop being lustful. Stop. Just stop. But like the basketball player from Duke, whose name I will not call, we seem to have a hard time stopping. But the good news I bring you on the first day of a new year is that Jesus Christ not only went to the cross to save us from our past sins. But the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2 and also in chapter 4 that Rebecca read, he went to the cross to strengthen us so that we might find victory over future temptations which might come our way in a new year. Let me show you first how Jesus Christ became fully human so that he might save us. God had this plan, this purpose, that He might bring many sons and daughters to glory, and He accomplishes it through Christ's suffering. So, chapter 1, verse 3 again, after He had provided purification for sins, after He had once and for all provided purification for sins, He sat down. Why did He sit down? Because He was finished. So Jesus Christ doesn't have to do anything else to forgive us for our sins. He doesn't have to do anything else because once and for all, He has forgiven us. He has provided for our forgiveness through His death on the cross. So He goes on to say here in chapter 2, verse 14, not only substitutionary atonement, so... Um, not only, as R.T. Kendall said back at the Grove in uh, 2013, our expiation, God takes away our sins, propitiation, 
He makes us right with God. He provides atonement. We sang it, God the just was satisfied. That's propitiation. Substitutionary atonement. That's one way to look at Christ's atonement. But I noticed in chapter 2 that there's also this powerful image of what we call Christus Victor. So look at it in verse 14 of chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, listen to this, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He goes on in chapter 10 to make that same case that Christ came to take away. So how does he do this? Well, well, Christ chooses in the cross and in the resurrection to overcome the forces of evil. We sometimes sing it in a song, trampling over death by death. By his death, he trampled death once and for all. That's our salvation. That's our justification. We um, Baptists, evangelicals, we know all about justification. We got that one down. But it goes on to speak in verse 18 of chapter 2 of our sanctification. That He suffered and was tempted so that He might strengthen us when we are tempted. Think about Jesus' uh, temptations. Early in our Scripture reading this year, we'll come to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, where it says the Holy Spirit led Him out into the wilderness to be tempted. And Satan tempts Him there in the wilderness. We know that from from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. We read again in Mark chapter 8, verse 33. Even some of Jesus' friends betrayed Him by sometimes trying to lead Him into temptation. And so He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Right after He says, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, then He says, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde. Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde. Like we are sometimes. And Jesus was tempted even in the garden Matthew chapter 26 we get the sense that while he's agonizing there verse 39 going a little further he fell with his face to the ground and prayed my father if it's possible may this cup be taken from me Jesus is wrestling with doing the father's will and yet he consecrates himself to it yet not as I will but as you will so the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 he was tempted in all ways as we are now somebody will quip, well, he was never tempted to go buy a new car. He was never tempted uh, as we are tempted with all the, the modern challenges that we face. And yet, we would have to say that in all the ways that we are tempted to turn our hearts away from God, Jesus also was tempted. And this enables him to help us. Here is good news. God is able, he says in verse 18, to help us. And even better news, not only is He able, He is willing to help us, to strengthen us. I'm always reading, always thinking. I found some clarity that I want to share with you today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, that great Christian servant of God in uh, World War II Germany who lost his life. But he wrote these words about our temptation. He wrote, in our lives, we don't speak readily of victory. It's too big a word for us. We've suffered too many defeats in our lives. Victory's been thwarted again and again by too many weak hours, too many gross sins. But isn't it true that the Spirit within us yearns for this word, 
for the final victory over the sin and anxious fear of death in our lives. Isn't that true? That's true for me. Is that true for you? And now God's Word also says nothing to us about our victory. It doesn't promise us that we will be victorious over sin and death from now on. Rather, it says with all its might that someone has won the victory and that this great person, if we have him as Lord, will also win the victory over us. It is not we who are victorious, but Jesus. And when we place all of our trust in our victorious Lord and Savior, we find that He appropriates His power in our lives so that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the temptations we face are common, He says to humankind, but the good news is God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Isn't that good news? So when He gives you the way out, take the way out. Find victory in Christ. Find His strength enabling you to overcome. This is the good news that He offers to His people. So again, Karl Barth says, every day we might begin with this confession. Every day, every year, we begin with this confession. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And why do I believe? Because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Make this a time, as Paul told the church at Corinth, that you confess your sins to Christ. To confess is just to agree with God, to say the same thing. And I'm just going to give you a few moments. And I pray the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind those things which stand between your soul and the Savior. And right now you confess to Him. Father, we want nothing between our souls and the Savior. And you tell us if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But you also say if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and righteous. And you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that through His death, Jesus is able to strengthen us. Thank You that through the resurrection and the ascension, You remind us that Jesus sat down so that He could ever live to make intercession for us. And we hear You saying to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. So thank You, Lord Jesus, for interceding on our behalf. We know you don't want us to sin, but if we have sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And we plead no other argument today but the blood of Jesus Christ over all of our sins. And we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit for all of our temptations in a new year. And we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.